manner of words unsaid. Just lonely feelings left away in my head. I trap myself further every time I stay quiet. I should start to speak, but I stop and stay silent. And now I've made my own hard day inside this prison. Hi everyone, welcome to our latest episode of Consensus Podcast. Consensus is a podcast hosted by seven black and mixed race women. Woo! Woo! Um, <laughs> I'm Melissa Gordon, a Lib Dem member, and I am joined by... Koyem, and I'm a Conservative supporter. And Jen Davis, I'm a Labour and Cooperative member. So today we'll be discussing racism, colourism, and all things BAME. Um, the experiences we've had and how our political parties that we're members of and other institutions and organisations, whether they are or whether they are not playing their part to eradicate um, prejudice. Um, so today's conversation may get quite sensitive, but please don't feel that you can't get involved. Um, you can reach us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at the underscore consensus underscore and our hashtag is consensus podcast. Um, so, so we're all on the same page. Um, with some of the terms we'll be using, we're just going to define how we'll be using them in the podcast. Um, so, for example, today, when we um, use the word racism, that will mean discrimination based on someone of a different race, based on the belief that your own race is superior. And colorism will be defined as prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a darker skin tone typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. And B-A-M-E, we're going to use the definition that people defined as being non-white, a term which is predominantly used in the UK. Hi, I'm Jen Davis and here are this week's top political news. The Scottish National Party held its conference over the weekend and Nicola Sturgeon stated that the party would seek to hold another referendum but was unsure when this would happen. She encouraged members to gather support so that should the referendum happen, the Leave supporters would have the winning vote. In Brexit news, the Prime Minister has said that the white paper on Brexit, which will detail the government's Brexit negotiation proposals, will not be published until after the meeting of the European Council and the Chequers Away Day. This comes after the leader of the opposition, Jeremy Corbyn, continuously asked Theresa May during Prime Minister's questions whether the white paper would be published before the meeting with the European Council as initially expected. In health news, more than a million NHS workers in England have voted for a deal which will see them receive a pay rise with up to 6.5% over three years. This has come after ministers and union leaders formally agreed the deal back in March. 13 of the 14 unions voted in favour of the deal. However, GMB rejected the deal as they believed that the deal did not make up for the pay cap that had been placed on NHS workers by the government since 2010. The workers will now receive the pay rise in their July salary and it will be backdated from April. In other health news, Eleanor Smith, Member of Parliament for Wolverhampton South West, published a report called Ending the Silent Crisis, which looks at solutions to encourage the BAME community to donate blood, stem cell and organs, whether they're alive or passed away. In the review, there were four main findings. The first being the role that the local, national and international organisations played in spreading awareness about donations. The second being about normalisation. The focus on this finding was language and perceptions within the community about donations. The third being about young people and education. This focused on formal education, community initiatives and using popular culture to engage with them. And the final finding being on race, culture and religion. This focused on BAME communities' lack of trust with the NHS and called for the NHS staff to have cultural literacy training. And lastly, in perfect transition into this week's episode, a 72-year-old man pleaded guilty to sending threatening and racist emails to six MPs. The MPs involved were David Lammy, Eleanor Smith, Nikki Morgan, Dominic Greaves, Heidi Allen and Anna Subri. David Hall has been given a nine-week prison sentence, which has been suspended for a year and ordered to pay £735 in cost. He was also ordered to complete 25 days of rehabilitation work. Thank you for listening and let's get back to this week's episode. Okay, 
So, guys, I'm going to start with quite an open question, mm. um, which is, do you guys think that conversations about racism at the moment are open enough? Um, or do you think that, as a society, we're confronting racism, or are we becoming more aggressive? Um, one statistic that I'd like to show, which I think mm. was um, some research done by Amnesty International, mm-hmm. which um, found out, or which found that um, Diane Abbott received 45% of all hate tweets during the 2017 election. Wow, that's a lot. I personally believe that um, conversations about racism are not open enough just because I believe that we we put the term race and um, ethnicity under the umbrella of diversity. But when, we, but when you really look at, you know, what is meant by diversity, I personally believe that it's only just, it's mostly focusing on women um, rather than, you know, um, ethnicity, LGBT, um, and um, even dis- um, dis- people with disabilities. And um, in terms of racism itself, I, like, I don't know if you guys noticed, but as soon as you start discussing race or racism, people's faces change and their mood changes. Absolutely. And um, it's, 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 like, it's like a there's like an elephant in the room it's right. like the vibe is just different and I've noticed that in a lot of political spaces that you know when you start talking about you know racism people always want to like try and downplay it but then as soon as it's something to do with women like oh someone's um you know something has happened to uh, a, a white woman everybody be like oh my god that's that's a shame that's sad you know whereas with like for instance um use the statistics of um about Diane Abbott um, she receives a lot of hate. She's a woman and she's black, but I never see a lot of women. When I mean women, I mean white women coming to her defence or saying anything. It's always black women having to come to her defence in the political sense. I don't think like we are being open enough about racism. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I do. I do agree with you. Um, I think the political debate of the past few months, weeks, etc., has been like less than inspiring and. And it's it it, it it would seem that we're taking like ten steps back. Um, I think about having open and honest discussions. It can be very difficult to have those discussions with people who don't think that racism still exists or who don't believe that they are racist, whether it's overt or subtle. So it's hard to have conversations with those kind of people. And I do think, however, in the world of politics. Um, I agree with what Jen was saying. Like that statistic is, it's a lot. Forty five percent is a lot of hate tweets to receive during a small period of time. Mm-hmm. But I am seeing now that you know MPs are not afraid to you know call out their front bench or other MPs who, who or even the government for perceived lack of action on these kind of things. Um, I did see that with you know the the Windrush scandal, and it wasn't just you know. Um, ethnic minority MPs that were speaking out on this as well um so there is still a lot there is still a long way to go but it's good to see that they are not afraid to stand up and 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 say that there is a lack of action okay but standing up and saying there's a lack of action is different from actually trying to do do something about it like with the Windrush scandal people knew about this from a while back and it's only now when it became like hot news that's when everybody wanted to jump on it so for me personally i don't believe that you know uh, it's it's a good thing that now they're starting to you know um come out and and you know openly say oh it's a bad thing that's happening i I was really disappointed i was disappointed even every the labor party i was really like yeah you know i was really really annoyed and disappointed that okay these things that have been happening you know and you know we're meant to be the party um, for everyone and you know we always want to we say that we want to champion yeah. you know um, BAME issues but yet yeah, the Windrush scandal has been going on for Since years they before arrived. yeah <laughs> years before <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah that's true. it's only now that people want to make it a hot thing and that's one thing I dislike about politics yeah. there's a lot of issues that that's happen true. that people yeah. have been just trying to get the attention of MPs and the media but then it's only, it's only when it's a hot topic yeah. that's when everybody wants to like jump in it yeah. but the thing yeah but the, but the only reason I say that is because before people wouldn't speak up oh, about sure. it and they would and they would just take it as a they'll just push it to the back so it's not even something that they would even think about having a conversation I mean I definitely agree with what you're saying because it's always when something becomes a hot topic that 
things that are being discussed, like even, you know, with sexual harassment and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's only yeah. when that was a hot topic, but how long has that been going on mm-hmm. for? So it's, it's, it's quite difficult in that sense. I think we still have a long way to go yeah, about having honest and open conversations about racism in not just the UK, but also in the world of politics as well. In the areas of parliament, devolved bodies and local um, local government, um, you know, we make, we have like different legislations or we make like different mm. regulations, etc. And um, that we want businesses, we want people to follow, yet within our own ranks, we don't follow them. So, you know, we're talking about, oh, we want to have, um, we want to have increase of senior members within businesses or we want to have um, more BAME people working in different workforces, right, right, right. etc. But in Parliament, how many MPs have ethnic minority staff? There's some MPs who just have all white staff. How many, how many, how many um, um, ethnic minorities work in local councils? How many um, um, ethnic minority people work in um, devolved bodies? Do you know what I mean? I'm, and if we're going, and it's a thing of we have to practice what we preach. We can't be telling people to do something but when they're looking at, looking in, at what we do, we're not doing the same thing, if you get what I mean. Absolutely. So, I think Queen wanted to, I can't see <laughs> Queen's face actually like wants to like, no, it's not, I, I, I get what you mean, but at the same time, it's like, for example, you, you, you said something like, um, there are MPs who just don't have ethnic minorities, but then what if that MP, I mean, I don't know, because what if that MP was not receiving a high calibre of, or not even a high calibre, what if they didn't even receive any um, ethnic minority applications or whatever, or they just didn't have that high standard of people applying for that kind of job? I mean, it would depend. It depends on each MP. Like, for example, in my office, every, I mean, there's two white guys. There's an Asian, there's a, a girl from Lithuania, and then obviously me, I'm black and Nigerian. So I think it does depend as well. Yeah, but and I and I don't think that saying that oh because they they don't have any ethnic minorities in their staff would be justification for where we're going at the moment. So just to bring this back a little on topic, yeah. Um, does this mean would you guys support affirmative actions and quotas? I know this has been touched on in another mm-hmm. episode, mm-hmm. Um, but it just felt relevant. Yeah. To, to ask now as well like what you guys think mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it I think people should be um, chosen based on merits right. um, just because I feel like it will be a fairer system however we already know that's not going to happen just because you know we've seen you know the lack of um, BME people in specific places we've seen lack of people with disabilities people from LGBT backgrounds as well as um, women however I do feel like in terms of women it's, it's getting better mm-hmm. in, in the political sense um, and that's mainly because um, under the Labour government we introduced the Sex Discrimination Election Candidates Act 2002 and this um, allowed parties to use positive discrimination in the selection of candidates and um, you know they, this was only meant to be um, for a certain time period of, to 2015 but um, it was extended um, to 2030 under the Equality Act 2010 and I think that we um, and I think this also needs to be done for BAME shortlist. Um, we need to have BAME shortlist mm. just for a certain period of time, so we have um, more ethnic minorities in different, um, not just in parliament, but in local bodies, um, in local government as well as um, devolved bodies. Yeah. Um, and I think we shouldn't have it forever. It should only be for a certain time period, just so that we can have a better. Just so that we can have um, better representation. So yeah, that's my view. And just to say, sorry, Labour Labour's already kind of done all BAME women shortlist. We had one yeah. in 2015. I think it was in Edmonton. Um, and I think that's where Kate, uh, Kate Ozemar got voted, got elected as MP. And then we recently just doing one um, in Lucian East. And the candidate that was chosen was um, Janet Darby. Darby? Darby. Darby. Don't know how to say her name, but yeah. When is the um, by-election happening? So that by-election's happening on June the 14th. If any of you are Labour supporters, you know, go on the Lucian Labour Twitter page or type in Lucian Labour on... Um, no, 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 Yes, I'm on the Labour. You can plug. 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 Plug.
um, come down and um, we are cutting the plug. Lucian Labour in Google so that you can um, come down and help us. um, No, help us campaign for Janet Dabby so that she can become. the MP for Lucian East. If Look you don't at have, how she's plugging you don't have, her if, candidate. Because you know. this, we're talking about you know racism, colorism, BAME. She's the BAME candidate. Yeah, yeah. candidate. So you can plug your BAME oh, person. Plug, <laughs> <laughs> plug your person. Plug, you can plug your lived in person. Anyway, you can plug your conservative person. Even though I'm not plugging, I'm not plugging. No, plugging. Well, I'm I'm, I have to plug my people's... Okay, we heard, we heard. So, yeah, on the 14th of June, there's a by-election in Lewisham East. Yeah, no, definitely, I I agree with you, Jen. Um, I see why it's necessary and needed in an ideal world. Like you said, that everyone would be be judged on individual merit, but obviously... There's systematic racism going on still um, when it comes to jobs, when it comes to salaries. I mean, there are some black people or BAME people who feel that they have to lie on an application and change their name in order to get a job. So when you have things like this happening, that means that you're not just being based on individual yeah. merit. So mm. that's where I do see the benefit of having these shortlists, um, these all BAME shortlists. Like you said, it wouldn't have to be forever. It would have to just be for a certain time. Mm. I mean, in accordance to, you know, conservative ideology, that they, it's not something that that goes with their ideology because obviously everything for them is based on individual merit but in society today especially we are seeing discrepancies with that so it is something that perhaps we do need to encourage or do you know if the conservatives do have any plans or if it's been discussed i don't think there are any plans for that yeah lived out society discussed it oh sorry sorry sorry. no because i was just going to say that like i said it's all about merit so they don't see the need to do that when there can be successful, let's say, BAME candidates um, coming in mm. to the party without having those kind of shortlists. But then again, like I just said, it's all about it's the all racism that's happening right now. And one thing that I do like about the Conservatives is that when it comes to BAME people or um, women, they tend to place them in um, safer seats with yeah. Labour. They don't. They don't do that. Yeah. Most of the um, most ethnic people are um, or women. No, we're not even women. Most ethnic minorities are placed in like marginal seats mm. and um i feel like if we we kind of adopted maybe like the the way the conservatives do it by placing people um bame people in safety seats we wouldn't need a bame quota yeah you know yeah so yeah. i think that's one thing that i read that i can say that the conservative do really well so mm. one of the problems that i think the lib dems have and it's something that we've addressed in like a recent like review on mm-hmm. race in the party is so Lib Dems, like, they have, we have this quite proud tradition of local champions. Mm-hmm. So our PPC, a, a PPC is a prospective parliamentary candidate. So that is someone who's been chosen by the party to fight a parliamentary election. Um, and our PPCs tend to be local to the area, mm-hmm. which means that they probably come from that particular local party branch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in some areas where there's just very low... Um, like ethnic diversity mm. there's not going to be that, that you yeah. know so i think that one of the things we do need to start doing is um the term is like to parachute yeah candidates into places um just so that we can so a parachute is literally you take someone from where they live or <laughs> and you probably think they're a really good candidate but maybe they live in an area that would never vote lib dem or there's already like um a very strong candidate who exists there you just put them in a different constituency to fight there instead um which i think is quite it's not uncommon in yeah no this is definitely something that goes on all yeah the time. but it's just a not very lib dem thing to do and it's people do get quite sniffy about it not based on like because of race or any other yeah but just because they like to have that local t- local yeah. tradition yeah um, but i think sorry to just yeah. um, cut you no um i think with with the Labour Party, I think we're kind of like that now. Because um, I mean, when I'm looking at um, quite a few people who have been elected over like 2015, 2017, um, a lot of them are, had been um, local candidates. Whereas before, you could be from any constituency and mm-hmm. literally 
you could go and stand wherever you wanted to stand and then you could you could possibly not even know anything about the constituency you could stand there yeah. and then become an MP but I think nowadays I think more the more people become aware of politics the more they want a local person someone who actually understands their issues yeah. yes. so and I think that's yeah. important so yeah it is, it's, it's a really difficult thing to balance like our our membership is not that ethnically diverse mm-hmm. I think most party memberships when they did that um review they found that party members are overwhelmingly male overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly like old and somehow we had like the youngest mean age which i don't understand for sure (laughs) but you know it's the same it's that the image of like a party member looks the same in every party it's a 50 something year old white man Mm. um and i think yeah so more people need to join political parties I and agree. be the change if you can't exactly. see the change be the change and exactly. you have to sometimes just step up and be your own role model yeah and so someone else will come along who's inspired by you and may even do a better job exactly. and then um yeah so sorry we've got a bit distracted there so going back to um the question which was about conversations and social media um is is social media a threat to stamping out racial discrimination or is it you know what how do we feel about i think with social media there are two sides to it i think there's the ugly side you know um i think in this digital age it's really made it easier for people to be racist you know um it's 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 become a space where cyber racism has been allowed to flourish um you constantly have keyboard warriors you <laughs> have people saying the most disgusting and sickening thing to you behind mm-hmm. a screen and um i mean i know this is an issue that politicians are having with um companies such as twitter and um in their response to acting when these kind of things happen you know someone saying that they want to hang someone they want to kill them they want to rape them you know all sorts of terrible terrible things like social media has allowed this to increase even recently when Sajid Javid became home secretary the number of tweets I was seeing online was just ridiculous he was getting called an uncle Tom he was saying that and people were saying, why are they allowing Muslims into the cabinet? They're just, they just want to allow more Muslims into the country. All sorts but of... He's been, he was in the cabinet before. No, but I think the people didn't really... His position wasn't yeah, as local, big local, as what yeah. he is now. He's Home Secretary. That's, like, number three it's or like whatever. One it's one of the great state. offices, exactly. But I think that's, that's important that, you know, Theresa May appointed... No, no, it's definitely a great thing that she did that. But the, the negative tweets and comments that people were making online about him for getting this good position was absolutely ridiculous but then on the other hand with social media i think it has allowed us to have more conversations about racial incidents um when they do occur you know for example we can we can have conversations about you know police brutality you know in the Mm. uk and in america um in um social media also does help people in you know finding people who do commit these these shout out black twitter (laughs) shout out black instagram you know, I mean, just an example. Um, I'm sure, Jen, you're you're going to say something in a minute, but I just want to um, also talk about that girl from Nottingham Trent. Yeah, that university was not listening to her. They weren't going to act upon what had happened to her. It was only when it became a media storm and social media yeah. got involved that they thought, actually, you know what, we have to deal with this because one, our reputation is on the line, and two, there is massive you know media circus around this situation Mm. so without social media they were never going to act and that's a big problem you know Mm. but obviously in her in for for her social media was a great thing because they helped her to get Mm. the recognition that she that she wanted that she needed i agree with what you said it can be a good thing and a bad thing um i'm gonna start with the good thing i follow like a lot of um people who talk about racism on a regular Mm. Um, you know, who are just, I just feel like they're just bold and brave human beings to like discuss these issues. And although they're getting a lot of backlash, they're not standing down. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to people like um, Kalechi Okafo, mm-hmm. um, Adam Pugh. Like, I say that they're bold and brave because in the world of politics, we, we have to be very mindful about what we say in terms of racism because, you know, it can be, be deemed 
or seen as a certain will be seen deemed or seen in a certain way so whereas i may have specific views or queen you may have specific views or um Mel, you may have specific views. We may have to whip it down a little bit just because of, you know, the positions that we have and the industry that we're in. Mm. Um, so um, in terms of social media, I just love seeing people like that, people like them discussing it a lot. Um, and, yeah, so negative side, well, that's the positive side. Um, and the negative side, yeah, like like I said, the way they get, they get abused, especially, like, people influencers and who talk about racism and it's not just in the uk it's all over the world and also mps as well you know having having racial abuse sent at them just because they may disagree with something um oh it's just it's it's ridiculous but yeah i'm going to talk about a little bit about something that happened to me you know like i don't know if it's 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 relevant it's relevant to the podcast of course it's relevant what do you mean recently um i was um abused harassed whatever you want to call it by um someone of my um own race i was on a train and he was um really nuisance threw chips at me i kind of like confronted him and then um because um i confronted him he then proceeded to like call me black wolf black state which is when i started recording and then, um, you know, um, the Virgin staff kind of took me to the to the carriage and they were speaking to me, etc. And the police were called, British Transport Police were called. They came on board, you know. From there, you know, you can see on the video some of the, the things that he was mm. saying. I wasn't annoyed at him for calling me um, a black wolf, a fucking bitch, and all the other names that he called me. I was, I was annoyed at the fact that he called me a black slave just because of the connotations mm. that he linked to it and then also the history behind it and then I was also annoyed because I know the way he said it I know I wasn't the first person the yeah. first black person he had said it to yeah. and you know and I was annoyed that he said it around white people it really upset me and um that's why I just felt like I had to stand up to him because I was just like what the hell like I mean there's so much to discuss in your story I mean first of all it's it's a shame that you had to go through that and for me personally, I think to a certain degree, it's I, th- I find people, black people who make such racial comments worse than a white person saying it because yeah. mm-hmm. you know the history, you know, you know the story around it. And he has, for example, black mother, black sister. He might even have friends who knows actually but you've then come to another black person and called her a black... I'm, a, I'm annoyed that he called you a black wolf. I'm annoyed that he called you a black slave because if he wanted to insult you, why didn't he just call you a wolf? Why didn't he just call you something else, for example? You've, you've made an emphasis on the black when you yourself are black as well. You've still got that slave mentality. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, he's allowing his white friends whoever they were with him to think okay yeah so a black person is saying this to another black person i can say this as well and no it's not right you cannot do this and you cannot say that say these kind of things i mean he's just an epitome of a black person trying to impress white people and he's still got that slave mentality in his head um and i think for me another thing that was really like it was really irritating is because there's been a lot of discussion about the way black men treat black women yes and you know this is just another example of black a black man degrading um a black woman yeah and like i just think it needs to stop like with black women yes okay sometimes we can cuss you black men whatever however when it comes to to a lot of things we have we have their backs when it comes to knife crime when it comes to um um you know youth violence when it comes to mental health when it comes to so many different things we're always trying to make sure that the language that we use doesn't kind of degrade black men but then when it comes to black women they feel like it's okay to degrade us and they think oh because because there's we um black women are known to be strong that we don't have feelings and we can take it and it's banter yes <laughs> but it's not when it comes to social media there is so much there is a lot of positivity and there are people who have each other's backs like i've seen um of this podcast for instance and again if you do want to get involved the um the handle is at the underscore consensus underscore and the Hashtag is Consensus Podcast. Um, 
But I do, I do think that there is just yeah, people who do like to go out there and they do like to look for people who they they are trolls. They are trolls. Mm. And what I like about this podcast is that we have like a really nice, positive way to to discuss our very different views. Mm. Um, and I think it's like a good example. Um, but what I have seen and what we've all seen on Twitter, or rather more in the news, is old tweets being dragged up um, from celebrities or politicians back when they were just aspiring party members with stars in their eyes and racist or offensive thoughts in their heart and you know now they're all being called out for it um and some of the ones that have made like quite a lot of um traction in the news do tend to be racially charged or racist just flat out racist tweets Mm. um what i've also noticed is that they tend to be not just racist, but also have elements of, like, colorism yeah. in mm. there as well, in that black women tend to be the punchline to yeah. a When you joke. say black women, do you mean darker-skinned women? I mean darker-skinned women, okay. because the people who are making these tweets tend to be either mixed race or, what like, I don't like this term, like, you know, like, light-skinned yeah. women. Mm. And it is women yeah. calling out other women most of the time. And it's, and it's well. also, I personally don't agree with, like, you know... Um, colorism etc and I don't think that um, um, people should get away with it and it should be taken lightly um, regardless of what age you were or whatever mm. however at the same time this society we're not a forgiving society and I think we need that needs yeah. to change like we so many of us probably have said things when we were younger or even maybe like in the last few years but as we grow you know our mentality has changed and i think mm-hmm. we should be ex- a bit yeah. accepting of mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. but at the same time in terms for so we're talking about my my drama i don't know if she's done it now but at the time of um when she issued her apology her her first apology was whack then the second because the first apology you wouldn't even you weren't addressing the people that you know your comments were um your she didn't write that. I think her publicist wrote that. It doesn't matter, but which is stupid. No, but then, but yeah, but then that but, like, it doesn't matter if her publicist wrote that. Then your publicist should be smart enough to know that you need to address the pers- the, the people yeah, or the well, demographic that um, <laughs> that you know yeah. her tweets were directed yeah. at. So I was quite annoyed at that. And then the second the second um, apology, I didn't even like it as well because it was just whack. Like yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna um, have an apology then I think you need to have like an action on you know what you're going to do to change yeah. or if yeah. or if you said you have changed what did what steps did you take to show that you to yeah. show that you have changed your mentality and how you learn from you know those tweets or those experiences yeah I definitely agree with you in that sense because I feel like there are we we do need to be a forgiven society and all this or we're not going to do this we're going to cancel this person and that person I think needs to stop to a certain degree there are some people who, like you said, they made a comment when they were younger and they have grown from it. But there are other people who, this is a recurring incident. And mm. and I think we really need to get to the root of it because the real question is, have we actually gotten rid of prejudice? And I think another thing for me is I see um, colorism and I saw a tweet actually that for me kind of sums it up. It's not not really sums it up, but it asks the question the right question. So for me, I'm um, the tweet said, "Why is hating and shaming black women always a phase that everybody gets to experience and grow from?" And that is so accurate because it's always a black woman that has to suffer and has to deal yeah. with the trauma. We're we're constantly having like you know there are some malicious people who just bring up the tweets just so that they can attack the person. Um, because they don't like that person because they are doing well in life but they're not addressing the actual issue at hand mm. they're not addressing the colorism issue they're not yeah. address- addressing the hatred at that black person it's more so targeted at you know we, we don't like this this um, we don't like Maya for example we're gonna um, cancel her we're gonna stop doing this we're gonna stop doing that but okay that's fine but what are you doing to address the real issue at hand and that's something that I think as a community we need to focus on yeah. more and getting to the real to the real crux of it because why is it that it's always black women or black men that are always having to bear the brunt of um, a lighter person's hatred, for example, mm. in that moment in time, whether you were young or whether you were old, you know? Yeah, you know, I, I'm just but, so sick of seeing like, sorry if I offended. I just yeah. and you see that repeated, and it's just so 
just be frank that. about it and just accept that there is a pre- like there is a, a massive prejudice that is not being tackled that black women are still treated in like horrific ways and people who do these who who, who are responsible for it get away with it yeah, yeah. it's it's I mean, things aren't changing fast enough at all yeah and it's so i mean this sounds a bit like i feel like in times like these i'm an ally or i want to be an ally because mm. being mixed race and being like quite european looking for a mixed race person it's something that i know that i will never experience mm. the way you guys do mm. And, you know, I, doing this sort of podcast and things like this, it's helped open, it's opened my eyes to things that mm. I thought I already knew about. Mm. But it's also sort of made me more aware of, that is like a blind spot, I think, for some yeah. people as well. Yeah, I, yeah I, I definitely agree with you. But Mel, I also actually want to go, I think this is a good place to even ask you as yourself, because you just said that, you know, people don't see you as you know the stereotypical like mixed race person so so how has that experience been for you how has that affected you and do you also get people saying to you like oh you're basically white you're not really black or anything like that like what has been your experience as a mixed race um you know woman growing up and stuff yeah i mean so i grew up in lambeth which is one of the highest sort of mixed race populations in the country um my dad's jamaican and my mum is english irish um but I do look by, according to also a lot of people, that I'm from the Mediterranean, or I look as though mm. I've, I think I've been told that I look like Pakistani, I've been told that I look oh, wow. like I'm from Thailand, I know. <laughs> um, and I don't know, to me, you look mixed race, I don't, I don't know, that's what you look like to me. So. Yeah, I think there is that sort of identity crisis that I think a lot of mixed race people go through, mm. and by a lot, I mean... I've read like autobiographies of different people, including like Barack Obama, um, what other people have said, and it all just sort of resonates with this. You know, people do ask you which side do you prefer. Yeah, and it's like it's not. It's not like it's not. Like Why a, do we have the f- football team? It's, yeah, like, there's. It's not like a football team. It's it's who you are and it's your identity, and people sort of expect you to like choose a side, and then you feel at some points when you're very young and like impressionable that you do pick a side, mm-hmm. and I think. What I'm very lucky about is that I live in London, which is like really, which, you know, I think is much more diverse and accepting than say if we lived in America, where I think the racism is slightly starker. But one thing that you are aware of is that, especially for me, you don't really look like many people that you know. Mm. Um, Even in diverse boroughs like Lambeth, um, with its high mixed race population, because I think of, I don't know how it works with genetic diversity and all that, mixed race people can, and by mixed race here I mean specifically people of like Afro-Caribbean and um, that European descent. Because um, there's such a variance in how people in how people look. Um, when it comes to representations in the media, there is, I think, like quite this highly sexualized way of looking at mixed race women. Mm. Um, and they all look like, you know, the Halle Berry's, the Meghan Markle's, there's like, they, there's that kind of... Exotic. It, thank you, yes, exotic. exotic. It's like sort of the... That word. word. That word. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then when you're growing up, people are asking you, especially when you're like very young and impressionable, which side are you on? And there is no side. It's not football. It's identity. And, mm-hmm. you know, mixed race people are both. Mixed race people can do what they please, frankly, like anyone else can because we're not we're not in a box no one's in a box yeah um there is no like there is no one way to be black there is one no way to be white there is one no way to be mixed race so do you feel like um when you were growing up um that you had an identity crisis in terms of um, having to pick sides whether you you were swaying towards the white side or you were swaying towards the black side i think sometimes there is like that thing i mean i can't speak for every mixed race person here so if you are mixed race and listening i'd love to hear your perspectives as well um but you do sometimes worry that if you're behaving one way maybe too much or another way maybe mm. too much are you letting down mm. part of your identity and then you do come to the realisation that no, I'm just being true to myself and that's how how I behave is how a mixed race person behaves which means that's how a black and a white person behaves as well. Mm. So, But I think there is like that sort of... Um, I wouldn't call it like a stumbling block or like, you know, a massive sort of moment of maybe it is a bit of an epiphany Mm. um sort of reading and seeing how 
um, other people who are mixed race of like who are who are well known. They've like in Barack Obama's autobiography, he discusses growing up and like, his his upbringing is so interesting. Like he was raised by his mother, who was um, white American. He's lived in Hawaii. He's lived in Indonesia, um, and I think it's like really interesting that how every and it does sort of you know everyone's a rich tapestry and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think with the identity crisis, there is I think elements of that. Um, yeah. So I also feel like in terms of the identity crisis, I also feel like black women go through that or not black women black people in general go through that and even maybe white people go through that as well just because you know if you're brought up in a predominantly white area um you know you talk differently to say uh, a black person from london or a black person from south london east london do you know what i mean and I, yeah. feel like I mean people yeah. will be like oh uh, uh, this this person is like an uncle Tom, or this person is this because they speak or, and they speak this way, or they like things that you know people, other black people may not like. And I, I don't know if you guys watched it. I'm guessing you didn't. Um, I put, I <laughs> How put, can you shade us like this? <laughs> I put in our group. I put in our group. Um, what's that? Um, I don't know if it was WhatsApp or Twitter. Um, some uh, um, a film, a short film that a girl called. Um, Teresa Onyema did and it was called The Black Girl Magic and it was talking about the different experiences of black women mm. um, and you know she had like the person who was like a bookworm then it had like you know the South London girl and then it had you know I think a girl from private school it had like different variations of black women um, but they were all I think I can't remember because I watched this last year um, but I know like there were a variation of black women with different experiences and I feel like you know sometimes um, when I've, I've heard when black people say, you know, I went to a private school, I went to a grammar school. When I went to university, I went to university with like a lot of black people. I like, you know, I like when I when I was at the grammar school, when I was at the private school, I felt like I didn't feel. I felt like I was so black. But then when I went to university, I didn't feel like I was black enough, mm-hmm. etc. So I feel like they also had um, identity crisis. I know you wanted to say. To yeah, for me, like that's kind of like me to a certain degree, but not really because. I used to get made fun of for the way that I speak, you know, I'm predominantly where I was brought up, like Northwest London, and people will make fun of me that of the way that I speak and just be like, oh, you sound so white, or it was only an issue when I got, because in school there wasn't that, I went to private school, there wasn't that many black people there, um, but it was only later on in life when I went to university and stuff that I was seeing a lot more black people that it became like, an issue kind of thing it was like black people are very good at policing other people's blackness mm. which is what i've noticed and and that's when it beca- becomes an issue because you're you're not black enough or you are too black but it's like it's lazy racial stereotyping and that's what we're trying to dismantle but black people are actually <clears throat> enhancing this stereotype and expecting people to live up to what it means to be black or what it means to act black or what does it actually mean to be black and what does it mean yeah. to act like a black person why are you policing my blackness like it's bad enough that we have racism mm-hmm. coming from another race but then for you to now question my blackness is a whole other story yeah it's like Jen you showed us that video um, about reactions to Meghan Markle's Meghan Markle getting married to Prince Harry and like mm-hmm. how um she would have to compromise her yeah. blackness um, now that she's part of the royal family. And some the things that people were saying in the video, I th- one that stood out for some reason was, oh, yeah, we'll never see Meghan at Notting Hill Carnival now. But she, and she, like, I don't think she would have gone anywhere. Yeah, and it's like, so That's if you don't go to Notting Hill, you're does not that mean black. that you're not black? <laughs> they said that she... Um, she, they said that she wouldn't be able to empower or, no, embody her blackness. Like... Sorry, what are you describing as her blackness? And, and wait, what what, what, what does, does that, that even mean? Like, what does that even mean? You can't have it's a, a racial phrase. stereotype. People don't want to be put in a box, and then they say, "Oh, by the way, they're being black under all these yeah, conditions." Exactly. Oh, we kick you out. And that's a problem that we really do need to tackle because policing people's blackness it really bugs me so much because there is no universal de- definition. So, um, guys, if you you know have a definition of what blackness is, or if you can kind of like enlighten us, what you, you you know you guys think um, about blackness, please let us know um, on our Twitter handles. Well, 
Also, guys, what do you think of terms like women of colour and BAME and ethnic minority? Do you um, do you guys listening think that they're particularly helpful when it comes to um, describing situations and experiences? Or do you think that it's time for us to come up with something better? Um, I mean, Jen, what do you think of BAME or all other terms? <laughs> I personally don't like. Um, I use the term BAME or women of colour, and I've only just I've only used it since I've been involved in politics. I never used to use it. I used to actually just say I'm black or you're Asian or you're whatever. As soon as I came got involved in politics, that's when I started finding out what the term BAME was, BME, and using the term ethnic minority. I never used to use those terms before, and I um, personally don't like them. I feel like they're lazy, and you know, you being BAME is not really your identity. I feel like within the strands, there's a lot of um, discrimination as well. Um, and I, the example that I want to use is the Nike advert, where um, there were they used a lot of um, young black people with it from the UK, and you know the Asian um, the Asian community were quite well. The young Asian community were felt quite left out, and you know were saying some things that I felt were unacceptable. But it just really got me thinking that no, really now is the time to change. The term BAME, and I also within politics as well. You know, I feel like it's using the term BAME is is so that I feel like the person, just the government, not the government, that but we just use the term BAME because we want to um, make sure say that we're hitting ethnic quotas, and um, rather than saying like rather than you know breaking breaking it down and looking at it specifically, Black Africans, Black Caribbeans, the different Asian communities, and you know the di- other minorities, and um, yeah, so I just think it's a lazy term. I think we should stop using it. I think we should just identify people as Black Africans, Asians, and Black Africans, Black um, Caribbeans, Asians, um, and all the other ethnic groups that we have. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think it lacks nuance. I think it's basically just saying. Because the most noticeable thing about you is that you're not white, we're just going to box you all up in this one group together so that it can make life easier for us, you know. Um, And it's quite ironic because I feel like it's actually more beneficial for people who are not in the category than those that are. So I feel like... um, they're using it to know, you know, create things such as like a racial disparity or like um, pay gap report reports, but actually, that's not going to be beneficial because it's not going to show that you know black people are far less likely to be better paid than their Asian peers and when it comes to their salaries. So, I think it's just something that is lazy. It doesn't really get to the crux of the individual in, um, issues, and it's quite insulting to just put all of us all into one group and think that we all have the same problems, we all have the same issues um, you're not really going to get much from it. I do understand why we do need that term especially like I said before when it comes to things such as um, systematic racism and applying for jobs um, there are for example like specific internships that will just cater to you know BAME people or that kind of thing so I understand where it's beneficial in that kind of term, in that kind of instance, but at the same time, it's just a lazy end. But is nice. it really beneficial? Because if we if we were to like get all these organisations who who have these BAME like internships or these BAME graduate schemes, if we were really to um, ask them to do like an audit of how mm. many black people, how many like um, the different Asian people, etc you will find that there is a higher number of a specific um, um, strands. So I don't, I personally feel like, I get what you're saying, but I just feel like... I feel like it will depend on each company, to be honest. I mean, I know people who have benefited who are black from such internships or whatever. So I'm not saying that individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'm the numbers. The numbers, how many of those people could are actually a lot, how, how many of them are actually really black or how many are Asians? And you'll you find that in a lot of them, there's a higher um, higher number of a, spe- of a specific strand. So, and even with the term BAME as well, sorry, I just, mm-hmm. I really, really dislike it because there are, people who who fit the strands minority ethnic who look white and they could fit into both you know getting jobs within the white um, um as a white person but then you know they will 
be then but then they'll also classify themselves as being we so then they can also fit into that um category and i feel like it's a bit unfair because black people and asian people we cannot do that you know so yeah yeah like i said at the end of the day just go back to identifying what you are just so you're black yeah that's it really yeah you know well with um what do you think about the term now i think it's lazy uh, I think it's like necessary in some situations, but again, it's only as you were saying as like a sharp relief against mm. people who aren't in that category. But for anything more detailed than that, if you're going to be like you know using it to you know do evidence based reports and you yeah. lump everyone into one category, that's not gonna mm. that's not gonna help yeah. at all because there is massive disparity in terms of education. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Vocational employment, like um, getting um, targeted by the police. Yeah, there are so many different things, Um, and you know, there are some communities that are very like quiet, neglected, and isolated. There are some communities that are like harassed and attacked, and there's just it it doesn't accommodate like everyone's um, different experiences. Mm. Um, What your guys, what what our parties are doing um, to sort of combat racism and also uh, within the ranks and also what they're doing um what what's in their manifestos to eradicate prejudice and racism so one of the things that um the liberal democrats are doing is um in our manifesto for the most recent 2017 election um we said that we would like to create diversity in business leadership so have quotas on um the boards of FTSE 350 companies um we'd also review the um human rights the equality and human rights commission um to see if it's lives up to its um (laughs) oh please (laughs) um and also um requiring diversity in public appointments um so things like for example you know like the bank of england and all these other appointments that are made um to make sure that the the candidates have someone on there who is quote unquote diverse DME. <laughs> but yeah. So let's go back to history. So under the Labour government, we brought a lot of, you know, the race and equality act. So we brought the nineteen sixty five Race Relation Act, nineteen sixty eight um, 1976 Act, which allows, uh, which kind of um, bans racial discrimination in a lot of places such as employment, housing, education, and public functions. Um, and during the 1976 um, implementation, the Commission of Racial, the Commission for Racial Equality, was created to promote equality for British citizens and um, to combat racial discrimination and prejudice within the UK. And um, you know, from that Racial Relations and Mental Act 2000 was also then implemented, which kind of extended powers of the 1976 Act to police and other public authorities, criminal investigations, immigration and asylum appeals. And then all of these were consolidated um, with other um, legislation to form the Equality Act 2010, um, which is the, the most current Equality Act that we have now. So following the um, Equality Act 2010, the Commission for Racial Equality um, then merged in to make the Equality and Human Rights Commission. Um, so, like, I'm, ha- you know, you can see from history that the Labour Party has been, you know, champions of trying to fight racial equality and amongst other things. During the 2017 election, when we released the man- our manifesto, there were there were a lot of things that you know, we said that we we wanted to do um, in terms of employment, you know, we wanted to eliminate racial inequality in the economy. We wanted we wanted to do we want to if we are in government, we want to um, do an equal pay audit um on larger um employers. Mm-hmm. Um it's just about, you know, like the the pay disparities between ethnic minorities and their white counterparts. But I think that it should go further than this. I don't just think it should be larger companies. I think it should be all companies. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think we should discriminate and say, oh, because this is a larger company, we have to look. I think it should be every single organisation that should be involved in that. So we want to launch inquiries into um, recruitment discrimination um, just to tackle an ethnic bias, just because, um, you know, there have been instances where people have said that because of their name, 
you know they're unable to get a job mm-hmm. um etc so you know one of the one of the initiatives that we we that was mentioned in the um manifesto was that we wanted to do a lane blind recruitment so you basically you just see people cvs you don't actually see their names um given like equality representatives time off work so that they could get further training mm-hmm. um Further training so that they can they can help enforce rights um, at work um, and make equality legislation stick at work. So yeah, another thing that we wanted to do in terms of um, employment and fair pay is to um, implement the Parker Review recommendation to increase ethnic diversity on boards in Brit- Britain's largest company. So there was um, in terms of um, employment and the um, economy, there, uh, there was a report that the government commissioned um, a baroness to. I forgot her name, but the report was about race in the workplace, came out in 2017. And basically, there was something that was said that really stuck out for me. And it said, um, if BAME um, people um, progressed at the same rate as their white counterparts, the UK economy could benefit from a 24 billion um, boost per year. Wow. And I think that's so important. That would, that when I heard, when I read that, I was like, wow. That's that. That's so interesting to know because I didn't know that. Um, I'm not an expert when it comes to like the economy, etc. So when I went, I was like, "Wow, that's really interesting." And in terms of housing, because I think that's like a, another issue within the that, that has some racial disparities. Um, you know, we want to we would want to establish a new housing department which looks at tackling racial discrimination by private letting agents and landlords. And um, I don't know if you guys remember the um, story of a guy called um, Fergus Wilson where he was like, he's not going to allow ten, um, Asian tenants to oh, stay, man, stay um, re- live in his house because um, he doesn't want his house to smell like curry. Can you imagine? Stuff. How like, rude. It's rude. The smell is not going to linger forever. <laughs> like, the way he... It, it was just so annoying. So obviously we want to do stuff to kind of, like, tackle that. And also the BBC... Um, done an investigation in 2013 where they looked at um when they went to different landlords um and you know different letting agents and went to go and see if they um if they discriminate people on, based on their race and they found that um 10 firms um wouldn't let to um, african and caribbean people and that's that's that like, quite shocking that i know it's 2013 but it's quite shocking in that day and age it's not even that long ago like five years ago that people behaved in such a manner so one thing we are doing with, like in-house within the Labour Party is we've, we've just launched we've launched a consultation which looks at the different trends within um, the Labour Party so it's looking at BAME it's looking at um, young people about how we can improve on um, its policies for our um, policies so that's currently going on at the moment I think the consultation ends um, at the end of the month so June and um, so it will be interesting to see the sort of stuff that we're going to be um, implementing in-house about how, you know, our structures are like. And um, they're, they're thinking about developing a leadership and training programme for BAME, um, well, not BAME, it's Black and Asian um, people, um, people who want to go into local government and who want to become parliamentary candidates. Um, I think that's important, but I feel like um, rather than it just being for... Um, local government and parliamentary kind of, I think it should just be about leadership in general and um, just so, so having something similar to the Joe Cox leadership programme but for BAME people so um, yeah that's some of the stuff that we're doing Okay um, I think it's actually quite funny because um, after listening to like what both of you guys said there are some majority of stuff is actually similar there's a lot of similarities i do want to say though i feel like as a nation we're very um reactive instead of proactive when it comes to things um dealing with racial prejudice etc um i do think that it doesn't just fall you know like on the government or like um the prime minister or the leader of the opposition to try and combat this issue i think it's something that will take all of us having to work together to do um but like you guys said, um, I mean, even in the 2017 Conservative Manifesto, I think that was the first time that there were um, specific race equality policies in there. Um, 
there was a there's actually like an entire section that's basically just called the race gap i mean there is one thing so that you know there was that um racial disparity audit that was underway i mean the conservative pledge was um we will not hesitate to act on its findings however uncomfortable they may be i mean i feel like as good as that sounds it's a bit it's a bit vague and um it doesn't really go into the crux of anything but i mean i guess it's still an important commitment to make anyway um um, like Jen said um, about private landlords, etc., um, the Conservatives have a similar um, policy as well. Um, so it's basically the same thing, saying that you know private landlords and businesses who deny people a service based on their ethnicity or religion or even gender are going to be investigated and prosecuted, which I think is an important law to have. Okay. Um, they also. Um, um, like Jen said as well, the Conservatives also pro- um, are asking large employers to publish information on ethnic minority pay gaps. But like Jen said, I feel like it shouldn't just be on large companies um, because it's the, in, in the Conservative point of view, it has to be um, uh, companies that have more than 250 employees. And like Jen said as well, um, in the Conservatives are also... Um, saying to large companies um, that they need to provide information on ethnic minority pay gap. Um, I did agree with Jen when she said that it should be all companies and not just large companies. But I do understand the need for large companies to be the main focal point at this moment in time. Um, That's just because if you have a large company that has, you know, 500 member um, staff and they only employ 10 ethnic minority people in comparison to a smaller um, company that only perhaps hire, um, that only perhaps has 20 members of staff and um, they have about 10 um, ethnic minorities, the ratio is different. Mm -hmm. So clearly there is an issue in larger companies. Um, I think what, who you were talking about beforehand is Baroness Ruby McGregor Smith. Mm. Um, she's the one that was calling for um, this much to apply to all firms of fifty or more staff. Um, but like I said at the beginning, I think that we've recognised that there are similarities between all the parties in regards to the kind of policies that they are um, introducing or introduced um, um, for trying to tackle prejudice so i don't know if any of you experienced this but i've experienced um certain you know behaviors from white people that sometimes i don't like Mm -hmm. um so i'm a very expressive person i use my hands a lot when i speak and you know when i when i've done it in 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 front of um white people they've called them They've said that I'm being aggressive, but I don't feel like I'm being aggressive. I'm just, I feel like I'm being expressive. That's the way I've been brought up. You know, that's the way in my culture people, be, you know, act, they use their hands a lot. You know, if they're annoyed, we don't have a poker face. You can literally see that we're annoyed on our face. We roll our eyes. We do all of these things. But people will now say, oh, we're being aggressive or try to paint us as the angry black woman. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, it really, it really, really annoys me. And I... And, it sometimes happens a lot in politics as well. I see it happening a lot to a lot of people, um, and it's just you know, it's I just I don't know what are your what are your thoughts on it or have you experienced it yourselves? Obviously, more you're um, mixed, so have you experienced it as a mixed person that you know maybe a white person or a black person has kind of deemed you aggressive or aggressive? And you two, Courtney, as a black person, have you ever experienced that? Or, or what are your thoughts? So yeah, I definitely find that some days. Um, depend if I people will comment on how I express myself like oh you sound a bit more black today or you sound a bit white today mm-hmm. or you know depend but so yeah I think you're right that there's a way that people peg your gestures with a particular like sort of I don't know racial stereotype mm-hmm. or something I don't know what do you think Ryan yeah I definitely agree with you I think it's I mean you get people who'll be like calm down calm down like we're only having a conversation or something I think the problem is is that a lot of people have stereotypes of what a black woman or man is and how they're supposed to act so they already have that ingrained in their mind so once they see something that looks a bit like 
attacking or over the top they'd be like okay you're being aggressive you're being angry you need to calm down and you're actually not you're just using your hands as a gesture and at the end of the day if I want to use my hands as a gesture I can even if I am angry I have every right to be angry and if I want to use my hands when I'm angry I can use my hands when I'm angry because who are you to tell me how to react in that situation like you don't know what I've been through or what I am dealing with so if I am angry and I want to react in that way I should be able to react in that way but most of the time black women are not even angry when they are you know using their hands or whatever or whatever gesture it is they're just that's just how they are so people just need to you know calm down and just you know learn 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 people's cultures yeah yeah I, I don't know if it's not even about like culture just Except that people are not going to act in the way that you think and believe and want them to. And you just need to really kind of dismantle all your stereotypes of what you think a black man or woman is going to be. Because, you know, there's always a black stereotype of a guy uh, or black men that, oh, they're going to be some angry thugs or gangsters or whatever. And black women, they're not beautiful. They're angry. They're this, they're that. So when that's already ingrained in your mind and you're now bringing that into a situation gonna be it's it's difficult so they just really need we really need to as a community work on that yeah yeah it's about respect yeah and like people like to preach that about a tolerant and like a diverse society but But, no exactly it's all lip service um whether or not practice what we preach exactly (laughs) whether or it doesn't matter like if you've got what is called like white or mixed privilege or whatever then you know get down from that if you if you do have those then get down from it and be an ally just because you know you can you can be a black ally to another black ally that's what we need to do that's what it's about um yes all right so i think that's all we have time for today i hope you guys enjoyed listening please do let us know what you um thought and um yeah so the hashtag is consensus podcast thanks for listening bye, bye.